Welcome to Think Intentional Podcast, a conversation designed to help individuals become high performers in life, leadership, and nutrition. I'm Sergio Cortez. Today we have men's coach, Mark Rump. Mark's passion and focus is on helping men thrive in life, business, and relationships. He is also the founder of Wolfpack, where he helps men confront the challenges of life. In this episode, we will dive into what it means to become a man of high character, a pillar of strength, and what it means to overcome the pain that prevents men from being authentic. Well, Mark, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you coming on board and, and sharing some of your thoughts on on masculinity and, and another approach as to how to be a better man. No problem. Thank you for having me. So let's go ahead and dive into our first question. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do more specifically? Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Mark Rumpf, and I am a professional certified men's coach. So I am self-employed at Remarkable Life Coaching, where I'm the head coach. And essentially, what I do is I work with men who are searching for fulfillment in their life, work, and relationships. And my mission is to help these men um, as they journey to unlock their full potential, achieve their dreams, and live happy and fulfilled lives. That is, uh, that's pretty fantastic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So why is what you do so important, especially at this stage in our society? Um, I would say, and not to sound dramatic, (laughs) but I would say because men are literally dying. So, um, trying to carry the weight of societal norms and the stigmas that get attached to manhood and masculinity masculinity is literally killing men. Um, so statistically proven, three in four suicides, which is about seventy percent of seventy six percent of suicides, are men. Um, suicide is the biggest leading cause of death in men under thirty five. Uh, the prison population is ninety three point one percent men. So. All of these statistics show us that men are in trouble and we need and they need help and there's not a lot of resources out there geared towards them. And so that's why what I do is important because I seek to get to the heart of the man and help them realize that there is more to life than what these uh, stigmas have shown us. You know, I, I think you make a pretty good point, actually, and, and there's so many conflicting views of what it means to be a man, you know, what, what does that mean? You know, some argue that being a man requires grit, uh, a non-exhaustive list of weapons, uh, rock-solid abs, and determination. You know, I've heard others say that being a man is about getting in touch with one's feelings and, and caring for the less fortunate and being sensitive. You know, while others argue that it comes down to leadership skills, a, a good work ethic, physical stature, richness, or sexual proudness, what do you think truly defines masculinity? Or is there another standard that we as men should be following? <laughs> um, to answer this question, I actually got a quote from a book that I've read through called The Mask of Masculinity. Great book by Lewis Howes. If you haven't read it, I would uh, strongly suggest that. But the quote says, let us revere the one who le- who loves others deeply, loves himself deeply, and has a dream that he is inspired to live with and by and through. He is a man. And essentially, what this quote is telling us is that 
uh, manhood is not all of these outside projections as we've known manhood and masculinity to be. It's not about the abs. It's not about the six-figure income. It's not about how many women you can sleep with. It's about really having a true sense of identity, knowing who you are so that way you can show up in the world and you can be the, a positive role model because you're not reacting and projecting, but you're being genuine and authentic to who you truly um, are. Yeah, I I would say that that is a fantastic uh, answer. That you know, it, it it really isn't about what's being projected. It's about building that internal character. So, in relation to what you just said, uh, what would you say are the roles, functions, and responsibilities of men as it relates to family, community, career, and God? Uh, great question. So. I, I would say the role of, of a man as it relates to family is being a positive example and a support system, uh, someone who is aware of themselves, so someone who's self-aware and who is emotionally present, um, because I think oftentimes in, in the traditional uh, gender roles, men are supposed to be the ones bringing home the bacon. And we have focused so so much on the bacon that we forgot that we are supposed to be engaging in these lives. You know, we, we have focused so much on building a life that is uh, the white picket fence and the American dream and all that stuff. But we have lost out on the engagement with our spouses and with our kids and with our friends. Um, and so I think the role in family is to be that example and to be ready to engage with the things that we've worked so hard to build. Um, in community, I would say our role is to reach back and help others who face similar struggles to what we face and um, to be constantly giving back in any way that we have, that our journey has allowed us to extrapolate uh, value, being able to kind of turn that back around and give it back to help others. I would say in career, this one we kind of already have a, a solid place in, um, and that's just finding a job that you can really have your passion rooted in and one that can help support you and your family unit. And then as it relates to God, I would say this one is our role is to get to know God deeper so that we can know ourselves deeper. And so when we realize that we were fearfully and wonderfully made and God made us perfectly, it, it kind of helps us break out of insecurities and, and break out of the desire to kind of do that comparison thing. And it really helps us settle into who we are. And the more we understand God, the more we understand who we are, because he has created us and put all of those good things inside of us. That's right. It's that uh, uniqueness factor that God brings into the picture. So here's another uh here's another one for you. I, I think this is a this is a great question. It's a question that I think uh a lot of people have had and I want to get your input on this. What do you think how do you think the absence of positive male influence has impacted our society today? <laughs> um, I think that it has led to a degradation of manhood and masculinity, um, whereas I almost feel that there has to be some sort of man's rights rally <laughs> that needs to happen to kind of regain our image of what manhood really is. 
um, you know, we have uh, icons or we have prominent figures like our president or icons like Bill Cosby being indicted for sexual misconduct. You know, things like this really send a message that I don't think we are intending to send. And as different things like this are released into the world, our younger generations are 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 being given information that they don't necessarily know how to deal with and has really led to things like, you know, men being depicted as Peter Griffin uh, from Family Guy or depicted as Charlie from Two and a Half Men where the focus is on how many women can I sleep with and how filthy and how dirty can I be and, you know, focusing on drinking, which, you know, is that really the image that we're looking to release out into the world is my question. Yeah, I I remember when I was, you know, obtaining my associate's degree, I would, you know, talk to other guys about this issue and and you you bring up a great point. I mean, are we supposed to be like Peter Griffin or Charlie from Two and a Half Men? It, there's this there's this whole external factor and a lot of guys, I think the challenge for a lot of guys is that they can't live up to those expectations. You know, not every guy not every guy is a Casanova, and you don't need to be in order to be a man. So I, I think you make, uh, you know, some definitely valid points here. And, and in addition to that, a little piece of my story is my father passed away when I was nine. So I was still very much, you know, in my formative years. And essentially, I grew up in a fatherless home. So we know the statistics about um, individuals who grew up in fatherless homes. That that was essentially my my uh, my upbringing. And so I had to grow and develop in the absence of a father. And so. Um, when when we have to, because I feel like this is another facet to, um, you know, the absence of positive male influence. I had to grow up without my father, and so when when we have people like myself, it increases our chances for falling into self-destructive behaviors um, because we're essentially lost souls out there with holes in our in our being, if you will, trying to search for meaning and identity without having that positive role model to kind of show us the way. I was listening to a teaching by um, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he said the hardest thing for a man to do is something that he's never seen modeled. And that really resonated with me because <clears throat> I'm now a husband, you know, I'm the head of a household. I have all of these responsibilities and roles and duties that I've never seen firsthand um, I've never experienced it firsthand. And so that's hard to do. And without having the proper access to tools that promote self-awareness and promote looking within and promote growth and promote asking questions and asking for help, which are all stigmas for manhood, you know, it, it kind of opens us up for this downward self-destructive spiral of events. Yeah, I what you just said, that's that's my story. You know, I my father passed away when I was three months old and I was raised in a household with, you know, essentially women. And and you know, in mm -hmm. my own life I was searching for how, how do I be a man? And and there weren't any real models for me. And so I, I was kind of left with this hole growing up in, in my own character. Uh, not really understanding the roles and the functions of what it means to be a man. And my only perception was, you know, essentially what I saw on TV. And I didn't like that. I didn't like the way, you know, like sometimes I would meet men and I would try to figure out 
you know, what makes them men only later to learn that, you know, they were still immature in their thought process. And it, and it was, it was very Absolutely. disappointing to me. So it, it definitely taught me that there's a lot of things that we as men need to let go of and, you know, sort of mm-hmm. rewire our minds to learn these new processes and, and, and have models for that because there aren't any. That's exactly right. When you look at TV, you know, how our men, how our men portray drugs, <clears throat> excuse me, drugs, sex, porn, alcohol, you know, these are all the things that we are presented with, with these, um, with media being how it is. And this is what our young generation of men are grappling with, thinking that I have to be in with the frats and what they're doing. And, you know, the perception becoming reality, even though the reality wasn't what was essentially perceived to begin with. Yeah. And, and porn is a big one in our society. I, I think, I don't know if, if women have the same issue, but I feel like with men, you know, we're, we're so keen on the sexual part that it's hard sometimes to step away from the thing, the very thing that causes destructive behavior within within ourselves. I mean, you know, I think one of Mm -hmm. the downfalls of pornography is that, you know, these young guys, they look at porn and they think, well, this is how women should be. This is how, uh, you know, this is what turns me on. And when they get out into the real world, mm-hmm. they don't see that. And so women on, on one hand are being, uh, set up for failure to live up to these images that, you know, aren't real. And, and men are set up for failure mm-hmm. as well because, well, they're not finding the things in the real world that turn them on. That's exactly right. Because we, you know, men view these images and then they try to measure up against these images. And, you know, you can never measure up against something that was designed to 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 be the opposite end of the spectrum. And if that is the only gauge that we have to uh, figure out what manhood is. It's no wonder men are walking around lost and confused and not feeling validated and not feeling enough because you're trying to, it's almost synonymous with uh, women looking at the supermodel on the front page of the magazine. You know, she's not your everyday woman walking around. She, she is the supermodel, if you understand. And so when we, I feel like that's synonymous with this epidemic with pornography where men are looking uh, to try to be these people that they're viewing in these um, different things and it just doesn't work. So what do you think are the things that a man needs to first acknowledge in himself and then let go of in order to cross the bridge of true adulthood or or true manhood, if you will? I would say he first has to acknowledge his strengths. Um, I, I took an assessment called Strengths Finders, and the whole premise of this assessment and of this book is that instead of looking for places to improve on, look for the places that you are thriving in. Look for what you do well. Look for what other people come to you and say, you are the best at baking. You are the best at drawing. You are the best at whatever. Um, And build on that. And so if anything, the first thing that we have to acknowledge as men is what we do well and what our strengths are. And also what we have to acknowledge, I would say, is our weaknesses. Because if we don't know, if we just know our strengths, but we don't know our weaknesses, that leaves us unbalanced. 
And so when we acknowledge our strengths, we can build on that. When we acknowledge our weaknesses, this gives us different areas that we can target and set goals for so that we can improve on. So if I'm not a good communicator of my emotions, when I, you know, get to a a disagreement with my spouse, that's something that I need to be aware of so that I can proactively plan that, okay, if we get to this point where we were before and it starts going down this rabbit trail, I can say this to kind of redirect the question or I can go for a walk, you know, being aware of our weaknesses allows us to plan accordingly so that we don't have to face negative consequences of things because of the amount of awareness that we have. I think something we also have to acknowledge is our shortcomings. I think a a huge thing for men is that we were never taught how to forgive ourselves. And so not only are we, has society kind of given us this image that's very unrealistic of manhood, um, they also didn't give us tools to forgive ourselves. And so when we don't reach up to these expectations, when we're not making that six-figure income, when we're not, um, you know, having sexual prowess that's synonymous with what the society says it should be, we we get into a place where we kind of, um, we, we, we get into a place where we are not, where we kind of hold that and it weighs us down. Um, and I feel like one thing we have to acknowledge is w- how to forgive ourselves. And if we are working, uh, and an example I'll use is, you know, if we're working, let's say a job at Burger King and we're making, you know, not optimal for what we want to be making and we're the head of a household, I feel like men, when we try to compare ourselves to society, we would say, I'm not doing everything that I could be doing. But if you are at the place where you are having a job that you're making less than, and maybe your wife even makes more than you, getting yourself to the point where you can say, you know what, I'm doing the best that I can and I'm satisfied in that and I forgive, you know, I'm not going to hold on to this image, I'm just going to be present in where I am and I'm going to continue to move forward. Does that make sense? No, that that makes perfect sense. And I, I've thought that too in my life. You know, there's only so much that I can do. You know, I, there's mm-hmm. only so much that I'm capable of. And as long as I know that I'm doing the absolute best that I can within, you know, what I've been entrusted with, then, you know, when I fail, it, it it won't be like, oh, you know, I, I didn't do the best that I could. I could do better. When I fail, it's more of a sense of, you know what? I can do this better again next time. Uh, let me learn from my mistakes, even though I did the best that I could. Absolutely. So what do you think? And Oh, go ahead. Yep. And I only answered half of your question. So the other part of your question is, what are some things that we need to let go of? Um, past hurts and pains is huge. Their men cover so uh, carry so much emotional baggage is not even funny. There's a term uh, that I came across in my studies um, as I started working in this, and it's called emotional restrictiveness. And what they found is that men are dying earlier than women because of our inability to properly express ourselves. And so, uh, with emotional freedom, I feel like that is something that we need to embrace and be able to let go of past hurts, hurts and pains, traumas of our past, being able to get to a place of healing will really allow us to move forward and to face a lot of truth. Because if I be honest, a lot of men such as myself, I I grew up um, kind of doubting myself. and, And what I found is that I could hide behind masks. 
So I'm naturally funny. And so I realized that I can hide behind this Joker mask. And I, if I get into a place where I'm uncomfortable or things get too emotional, I can tell a joke and I can kind of get out of this situation. Um, but when I started the process of letting go of past hurts and pains and things that happened when I was younger, um, it, left, it let me, it allowed me to be open um, to not have to hide behind that mask. And it allows me to show up in a more real, intangible way and engage in the world uh, more authentically. Again, you know, hearing you talk, I, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. What do you think is the first immediate thing a man can do to put away that childish behavior and develop himself into an adult man? A man who has integrity, a sense of purpose, and a strong sense of his place in the world. I would say the first thing that we can do is recognize I am not my insert age of trauma year old self. So in essence, I am not my five-year-old self. When things happen and they cause our walls to go up, it causes our fight or flight response to be triggered. I think realizing that, hey, wait a minute, you know, taking five seconds to say, wait a minute, I'm not that same little boy that I was where people took advantage of me. or I'm not, I'm not that same little boy that didn't have a voice and had to try to prove, um, you know, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I think that that covers the majority of childhood behaviors. It's, it's because it happens when those very same spots are triggered in us when we're adults right? Somebody says the right word, you smell the right smell, or you feel the right feeling that hits you just right, and you are kind of ricocheted back to that traumatic place. And realizing that I'm not my five-year-old self anymore helps you kind of remain current and say, you know what? I'm adult. I have the ability to properly express myself. And it gives you that control that otherwise goes out the window when our flight or our um, fight or flight responses kind of kick up on us. Um, I would say that just realizing also that there's not an external locus of control here, you know, taking ownership and responsibility for our actions. And when they are inappropriate, going back and correcting them. And when they are appropriate, praising them and embracing them. Yeah, that, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, what you just said. I, I wish that you had a microphone uh, for all men to hear because, <laughs> because <laughs> you, you just, I mean, really, you, what you're saying, it just resonates. It really does. And uh, more men need to hear this, which is why what you're doing is so, mm -hmm. it's so critical in this point in, in, in our, in human history, if you will. What do you think are uh, some of the qualities that a man should develop in himself in order to become a real man, a, a pillar and an example for younger men? And more importantly, how does he develop these qualities? So a term that you will hear me use a lot is self-awareness. And really, it's being aware of the self. And so I think in large society kind of hands men this package of get the six figure income, get the rock hard abs, look like a, a, a bodybuilding, all these things. And then on the other end of the spectrum is like, be a leader. If you're, if you're a man and you're not in management, are you really a man at all? You know, that's kind of what gets handed to us. But the greatest of all, in my opinion, is awareness, because that gives us the power to know what and how we're feeling 
And once we are aware of it, it gives us the power to then address it from a place of truth and not from a place that's masked or from a place of insecurity. So if I know that, you know, we're having a disagreement between myself and my spouse and she says something like, are you wearing that out? This is a real story, oh. by the way. <laughs> are you wearing that out in public today? And it triggers something from my childhood. When I am self-aware, I can realize, I can pause and say, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling insecure about my, my body image and about what I have on. Why am I feeling this? Because when I was younger, I didn't have the latest and greatest and kids made fun of me. Okay, and why am I feeling this toward my spouse? You realize it's not really toward her. This is a, a place of insecurity from my childhood that no longer has power in my adulthood. And so being aware of all of these things as they're happening gives you the power to not react, <clears throat> excuse me, to not react to your spouse and say, well, of course I'm wearing this. I'm a grown man. You know, you can say, you know what? Give me a minute. Let me process this, which I think is a sign of strength. And then be able to come back around and say, baby, when you said X, Y, and Z about my clothes, it hurt my feelings. And this is why. And be able to process it. So now she's aware of the insecure place from your past. And you're aware. And you can heal from that together as a unit. I, I think one of the really important points that you just made that I, wanted, I want to elaborate on just a little bit is asking yourself questions. You know, mm -hmm. going through that dialogue where you're investigating the core cause and, you know, as coaches, you know, this is part of the process. It's figuring out, you know, where the insecurity is coming from and then being able to acknowledge it and heal as a result of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I completely agree. Um, you know, asking yourself these questions, especially in the moment, is crucial. Um, because when we find ourselves in a triggered place, <laughs> that's not the moment to uh, try to put a plan in action. But when you um, are making it a habit of being self-aware and you feel these triggers kind of rising and it prompts you to ask these questions, well, why am I feeling this? That is what gives you that control to be able to uh, properly navigate the emotional terrain and make wise decisions. Um, I find that people often don't do what they want to do. They do what they're programmed to do or what they have seen done. Um, and I've experienced this even in my marriage where coming into marriage, I had a certain idea about marriage that I feel God created men and women equal and that I didn't want to be the husband where it was all about the husband and all about the man and, and the wife was kind of an afterthought. Um, and what I found is when we got into the right situation, although this was my desire, although this is what I've read in books, although this is what we both discussed, although this is what we both wanted, the right circumstance presented itself that looked like the past of what I saw. And I found myself falling subject to those actions of what I saw and not what I wanted. And it's only when you get to a place of asking yourself questions, why is this the case that you can really break free from those um, kind of uh, trained or programmed responses and really gain control over your own life. So can you give us some examples of, of some of the things that you, you mentioned having an idea of what marriage was actually like, but then you went into it and it was a little bit different. Can you give us some examples? <laughs> um, let's see. One example I can think of 
is finances, right? So any any kind of premarital counseling that you go to, they're going to say the biggest thing in marriage is finances. And so I went into marriage thinking that um, we actually agreed that because I was the one that was slightly stronger in financial history, that I would be the one paying the bills and managing our finances. And what we found quickly thereafter, after getting married and getting all of our accounts joint, was that we had a completely different understanding of, of money and how to spend it and where it should go. And it, it caused a breakdown in communication that we had to learn how to kind of navigate through that and realize that this is not a uh, divide and conquer thing that's going to work for us, but what works for us, and that may work for others, but what works for us is us coming to the table and, and coming to an agreement about what is a need and a necessity and what is not, and then properly allocating our funds to meet the optimal needs of the house. Um, another thing is I grew up very emotionally guarded. Um, so when I got to a place where I didn't feel like engaging, in the world or in my family or what have you, I just didn't. I went to my room and everything was okay. I just kind of decompressed. And what I realized in marriage is that that, that causes her, my spouse, to not feel intimately connected with me when I kind of unplug myself from the world. And so I had to realize that if I'm truly going to be a man, I have to show up um, even in the emotional places where it's uncomfortable um, not just for the sake of me, but for the sake of being intimately connected with my spouse, because she deserves to be in the vulnerable place with me. Because if I can't be vulnerable with her, who can I be vulnerable with? So starting from a place of ideals and kind of walking through actual tangible uh, experiences has taught me that to have an ideal is great, but when you get into that experience, you really have to put in work in the moment to break through and break free from things that you've even seen in the past. I agree with that again. I mean, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. The, I, I did the Financial Peace University course, and it was fantastic. I mean, it opened my eyes up to how... I, as a man, am supposed to manage my finances in a way that's uh, consistent with the Bible. And uh, for me, it just, it really just opened up my eyes about saving, about, uh, you know, where I spend my money, uh, how to invest. And I, you know, I don't know if for you, I mean, I don't know if we're all men, but I wish that my high school taught me those things. But they right. didn't. And even in college, they didn't teach me those things. And so it was years after, you know, high school and college where I actually learned how mm -hmm. to do these things, uh, which is unfortunate. But mm -hmm. yeah, that is that was just the reality of it. So let me ask you this. What are some practical steps that a man can take to overcome shame, guilt and failure in his life and, and learn to be more authentic? Talk about it, 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 talk about <laughs> it. Um, I have realized in my own life that talking about things gives you freedom that otherwise you cannot realize. Because in the mind, the mind, the mind will play games on you. And as you process things in your mind, it kind of gets stuck on a cycle. But when you talk about it, 
you not only kind of detox your mental state or your even your body, you kind of detox. Um, when you talk about it in a, a safe place, you detox. But it also gives you, it opens up the floor for other people to share their experiences and help you brainstorm ways to kind of re reboot yourself. And so when you when you are dealing with guilt or when you're dealing with failure, um, I'll tell you this, three months into my marriage, I was a newlywed. Um, we had a disagreement about finances and um, I, I, the the conversation or the disagreement ended in a way that was completely uh, like, oh my God, I, I never intended for this to be here. And so what happened was uh, my wife and I were talking and the conversations kept going on and on. And we got to a point where it was now time for me to talk and she got up to walk away. And so I went to, to grab her and say, hey, stay here and let me talk to you. And she kind of reacted to my grabbing her and it actually ended up in a physical confrontation. And, it, you know, obviously, I don't believe I'm a Christian. I don't believe in hitting women or anything. And it, it wasn't even a point of me hitting her. I just kind of tried to grab her to let her know, don't leave. You know, let's finish this conversation. And after this encounter, you know, we prayed and everything. We went and talked to the people who married us. And it was like, I thought my marriage was over. I thought it was over. I thought, you know, and, um, you know, I carried shame. Like every time I thought about the incident, tears would come to my eyes. And I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself a really heavy crier at that point. And so tears would come to my eyes and I just felt so much weight and so much shame. And I was like, God, why did you even allow this to happen? And he was, he let me know this is a part of the process. And he was saying to me, all of the love, all of the kisses, all of the I love you's, all of the selfies and smiles and everything, that's great. He said, but this incident had to be ugly to break you free from these uh, things from your family that you've experienced that if it, this never happened, it would have been an underlying current. And I was like, wow. And it was for me, it was like a beauty for ashes experience where he took something so bad and caused it to be so beautiful. And now, you know, we look back at that day and we can say, look at how we have grown from then to now. In my own life, I, I often I often pray to God and ask him uh, to sharpen the rough edges in my character. And mm -hmm. I notice that whenever I ask that, he puts me in situations that are painful. And and I'm always wondering, and I forget this, but I'm like, God, <laughs> why are you putting me through this? This mm -hmm. isn't what I want. I, I you know, I want the mm -hmm. ups and and the positives. That this isn't this isn't part of the plan. And you know, he politely reminds me, "Hey, Sergio, you asked me to grow your character, so this is just part of the process." Absolutely. But you acknowledge uh, something really important. It's that it's dealing with the the guilt and the shame uh -huh. that turn into the healing. And I don't know that a lot of men know how to do that. You know, they they carry on they. Like your your situation was a little bit differently because you have the maturity to understand mm -hmm. how to deal with these things, but not every man knows how to deal with that, and so they walk around their whole lives carrying guilt, carrying shame, and they because they didn't know how to deal with those issues, they walk into another relationship mm -hmm. with that baggage, and then consequently that other relationship suffers as a result of mm -hmm. their past. So. You you make up some uh, some great points. I oh, thank tell you. you. It it just comes from following the Lord, honestly. 
And um, I read a quote in my devotional a while ago, and it says that he doesn't always prevent the storm from happening, but he's always with us in the middle of it. And just kind of realizing that helped me even break free from the perfection complex that a lot of churches, <laughs> um, hand folks, um, whether they do it intentionally or unintentionally, we kind of teach people to be perfect when God is not necessarily looking for perfection. He's looking for, do you have a heart after me? And, you know, what are you going to be like Peter that even after he cursed me three times, he still had a heart after me and came back and repented and served me. Right. And so it's, it's really my relationship with the Lord and talking about it. It was so helpful to uh, talk about it because this is the, this is what I've learned. If you're not at a point where you can talk about it, you're not healed from it. And so it's synonymous to me for when I was back in school and I will be studying for, let's say, a math exam. The most helpful form of studying for me was to get up in, on the board and try to write out the equation and help teach it to somebody else. Because if I can teach it, that means I understand it in a way where I can then apply it on the exam. And so for me, that was kind of the same thing where if I can talk about this, that lets me know that I'm healing from it every time I talk about it because I'm not allowing the shadow uh, to kind of be cast over it, but I'm bringing it to the light and I'm exposing it and I'm helping others in the process and then in turn helping myself. Mark, how do you see the next generation of men evolving into the kind of man that you're describing? <laughs> I see men being able to be strong in every sense of the word. So a lot of times when we hear the word strong or strength, we think about muscles. And so muscles are fine. That's great. Um, but in addition to the muscles and to being physically fit, um, being uh, financially fit, being strong in the sense of emotional connection, being able to sit still long enough to ask yourself powerful questions that challenge um, where you even come from and are in line with where you want to go. Um, being that strong protector and that strong provider, but also being sensitive to different things and insecurities in others. You know, when you come across a relationship where someone is sensitive in one area or another, being able to kind of shift gears and be sensitive and supportive and also carry a sense of strong, authentic, genuine manlyhood and manness. Um, I see that as I work with clients, that we are working in the space of building emotional IQ. Um, you know, a lot of people view coaching or counseling or therapy as a weakness, um, but really it's, it's a strong man that can identify that I need help to get to where I'm going. Where would Michael Jordan be? You know, where would all of these uh, athletes, Serena and Venus, and where would these people be if they didn't have a coach coaching them? Where would the uh, Eagles be if they didn't have a coach coaching them through the Super Bowl? And so when we, when we can change that orientation from seeking help as a weakness to seeking help as a strength and realize that two heads are better than one, then we've got it. And so that's what I offer. I offer... A partnership with these men to help them get to where they say they want to be, whether it's landing a, a promotion at their job, whether it's growing in their relationship with their spouse or, or, or even in a dating relationship, whatever the issue is, I help them 
gain awareness that's necessary to build upon and, and start planning and setting SMART goals to be able to achieve their um, ultimate goals. Well, Mark, thank you again for being our guest. It's always great to hear from people who are passionate about building the Pentecho and other men. I mean, we, we need role models. We need men who can show the next generation of men how to be warriors in life, business, and career. So, you know, I definitely want to thank you for your contribution to that. No problem. It was my pleasure. Hey, so Mark, if anyone uh, wants to inquire about your coaching services, what would be the best, uh, the best place for them to do that? Awesome question. So I'm right in the middle of building my website right now. Um, but what I do have available that they can contact me through is my business page on Facebook at Remarkable Life Coach and on Instagram at Remarkable Life Coach. Thank you again to Mark Will for being our guest. And for those listening, please visit thinkintentional.com to learn more about us and our services. Remember to subscribe on our website, iTunes, or Blueberry for the latest episodes. Be sure to rate us on iTunes.